Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Well, hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. And I'm so fortunate to have with me today the makeup department head on the upcoming Showtime series, The First Lady, Carol Rashid. Carol, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Max. I'm excited about this. Yeah. So this is a series that I've been looking forward to for several, several months, ever since filming was underway. It obviously stars Michelle Pfeiffer as Betty Ford, Gillian Anderson as Eleanor Roosevelt, and Viola Davis as Michelle Obama. Um, I'd like to start at the beginning with you. How did this project come to you and what were your first thoughts when it, it came? Well, actually, this project came to me through a friend of mine that I know that I've worked for in the past. Uh, she works for Showtime, actually. And she called me. Well, she sent me a message directly asking me if I was interested in the project. And of course, who would be interested in this project? <laughs> it's a project of a lifetime to be able to go, you know, about 126 years of, of life and living, you know, with all these um, fantastic uh, historical figures. Mm -hmm. Now, um, as the makeup department head, I assume you oversaw the looks of all three of the first ladies. Um, this is a project that's obviously based on true stories, and these are real life women, which is something you've done before. So when you um, when you confront these real life projects, is there a certain research process that you undertake in creating authentic looks of real life individuals? Oh. Absolutely. I mean, the great thing about doing a piece like this is that, you know, particularly when it's historical or where you're doing the likeness of a person that has lived before, um, you have a lot of information out there, uh, tons of information out there. And of course, you start, you know, with the Internet. I did the Internet. Um, I read books um, and looked at books on each particular president, you know, and their wives um, so there's a great deal of information that was available to to look. And then, of course, you know, you, you also uh, collaborate with the designer, you know, that's pulling all the clothing and everything. She has her view of how everything should look. And then you also have, you know, your director that has their input in terms of what they want everything to look like. So, you know, the approach for this particular project was to of course, following the line of what was actually happening during that time with the looks, you know, but we also put our own spin on it, you know, so that it can live in a space that when you look at it, it looks period, but then it can also be kind of contemporary as well. You know, so making it a little bit more stylized was part of the effort in regards to keeping true to the look of the ladies, but also keeping, um, you know, putting like a stylized edge on it to make it look like it's also could have lived back in the 60s. But also when you look at it in the in the 2022s or the 2023s or 24s, you kind of look and you can kind of resonate with the style of everything. The clothing and everything was so beautiful and the makeup and hair had to blend in with all of that. Yeah. Um 
Speaking of the hair, actually, I spoke with Lawrence Davis, who's the hair department head on the First Lady, and he said that this was one of the hardest jobs that he ever had. Did you feel a similar way when you came into this project since you had not just the different looks, but the different eras and all the actors? Mm-hmm. I tell you, it was it was challenging because I think that when you take, um, you know, a creative director like Susanna Byer and, you know, award winning um, you know, director as such, you know, you put that element in with the fact of dealing with historical uh, figures that have been here and lived and uh, kind of shown the way for us. Um, it was important to follow uh, that lead in terms of making sure we stay kind of true to what it looked like then, but also putting the stylized twist on it that Susanna was desiring for us to do. Um, so working with again, a director like Susanna and then a costume designer like Seeing, it really was difficult in the sense of just, um, I guess, strategically in terms of making all this blend together. You know, so those things were challenging, but I, I think once we really did the first block, which was the Betty Ford block, it really made the second and third block a lot easier for, 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 make, for the makeup department. I know that the looks are specific to the three first ladies. However, they also come with the immense challenge of taking place in three completely different time periods. Eleanor in the 30s and 40s, Betty in the 70s, and then Michelle in the 2000s, 2010s. So could you discuss more largely not only your preparation and studying the three women's looks, but also just studying the makeup sensibilities of those time periods in general? I think the makeup sensibilities, I'll, I'll speak to that first. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the look of the entire run of all the blocks for, for makeup, it was a decision that was made very early on that the makeup would be uh, the type of makeup that where you can see skin, right? So people didn't really look made up. You know, you just saw really nice glowing skin throughout. That was the thread that kind of tied all three blocks together for the makeup department. You know, everybody's makeup looked like they kind of did it themselves, but it was still kind of stylized and beautiful. Um, you saw skin, you know, of course, the color range with lips changed as, as we went through the various time periods. But the uh, overall look for all of the ladies, I believe, with the exception of Michelle, of Michelle Obama, which basically was the more of a current look, you know, she her makeup styles and her brows were a big thing that kind of flowed and changed throughout the years as she got in before she got into the White House. And then after she got into the White House, you kind of saw how her look evolved and became more and more polished and more, you know, more and more polished as the time went through. With Betty Ford and uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt was one of those first ladies that really did not wear a ton of makeup. Um, although her her style and her look, I guess, from her younger age all the way through to the end of her term, kind of remained the same. Like she looked like she had nothing on for the most part. Mm-hmm. As time went on through the picture, she had a little bit of color here and there. Uh, uh, the same thing with uh, Betty Ford. Betty Ford also, you know, during the time of, of her presidency with uh, Gerald Ford, you know, the blue eyeshadows were in during that time. You know, so, you know, uh, Valley did a little bit of that. And of course, following along the thread of all the women 
having their own style and their own look. I, again, everybody kind of looked like they did their own makeup, but it was a little bit more polished, I, of course, with us doing it. Um, yeah, I, I think, and the thing of it is, particularly for the ladies, you know, you had your young version of Eleanor, you had your young version of Michelle, and you had your young version of Betty Ford. Um, so I think as we went through that, we had to make sure that the eye colors were the same. Um, you know, for uh, when we look at people like uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, she had a little bit slight of an overbite. So we had to make sure we had teeth for the young Eleanor mm -hmm. as well to kind of make everybody smile and everything look different. That's what you really want to get right when you're doing projects like this. You know, the little differences in terms of how people really look and things that they're known for. Michelle Obama was kind of known for her brows and her smile. You know, and I think that they got that right, you know, through, you know, the personals that actually did um, Michelle uh, Viola as Michelle uh, Sergio. They made sure that they got that part right with the smile and with the brows, you know. So it's just really creatively so interesting to to work and, and really have to recreate these looks, you know, based on images that are already out there that have been out there, you know, so uh, that was a challenge, you know, in order to make sure we kind of got that right. Um, and in, in terms of getting it right also for uh, the overall stylized look of the entire three three blocks, you know, when you look at the makeup part of it, you know, even though it lived in a certain period of time, you know, you still can look at it. And like I said earlier, you can kind of resonate with those times looking like today's times. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you said, there's like a contemporary touch to it, no matter the time era that it's set in. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested, you touched on this just now, but um, you know, you're not just recreating the looks of these three women while they're first lady, but also leading up to that, where I assume sort of your photographic or video research would be more scant, sort of the early lives of these three first ladies. Obviously, there you have a, a whole host of photos and videos you can go to while they're first lady, but when they're younger, not so much. So can you discuss that challenge and sort of um, seeing what a young Michelle Obama, a young Betty Ford, a young Eleanor Roosevelt looked like when I'm sure there wasn't as much research. There wasn't uh, as much research, yeah. but the, the great thing about it is, you know, particularly when you're doing the likeness of people that have lived uh, before that are still living, um, you still do have research that's available, you know, and, and, and in that research, you look at the family members, you look at everything that involves that person, right? Um, they may be on a picture with their cousins or, you know, with their dad and mom. You know, so those things are available for us to look at and really get a feeling in terms of what their lifestyle was, you know, so it's, it's great when you have that ability. And I tell you, we're very fortunate now that we have the Internet because everything is available. Everything is available, you know, so you want to kind of follow what it was and not veer too far off 
to that, you know, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, looking at, say, somebody like Michelle, Michelle Obama, you know, looking at her early on pictures where she had her hair cornrowed and, you know, and she didn't wear a lot of makeup. You know, those were things that we duplicated. If she looked natural in her picture when she was in college, then we did the same look and the same style for Michelle Obama. You know, and for everybody that surrounded that, you know, for uh, Betty Ford, you know, the young Betty, again, you know, the eye colors were the same. She was, her hair was very natural um, during that time period. She didn't wear a ton of makeup during that time period. Um, So those are the things that we kind of followed, you know, um, you know, say if the, the person, the person playing Betty Ford, maybe she had a mole here. And then we look at the, you know, the later on Betty Ford, she didn't have any moles. So that's something that we would have to work on and take that away. You know, so it's all those little things that you really do have to pay attention to, to get it right. You know, because when you have people that are historical figures or people, you know, whose likeness that you're doing later on in life, you know, people are going to be looking for those things, you know, or not. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was really an undertaking. I I can't really say that this is one of the hardest projects that I've worked on, but I think it was a project that I really intentionally for myself and my team, intentionally, we wanted to make sure we got it right. Yeah. This show obviously presented a unique challenge for you that you never experienced before in your career in that you filmed during the height of the pandemic, which obviously is devastating towards every aspect in filmmaking. But I would think especially makeup hair because you're hiding behind not just the mask, but the shield and all that, all that stuff. Um, Can you speak to sort of the difficulties that that presented working at a time when it was at its height? The pandemic. Let me tell you, that was the tough part. Honestly, yeah. you know, luckily for makeup people, though makeup and hair people, we were already used to washing our hands all the time and constantly, you know, being clean. It's just a part of what it is that we do. You know, it, you know. So that that part was kind of natural, you know. But being very intentional about, you know, making sure for me, making sure my team was always masked up, making sure that we didn't have too many people coming on the trailer, making sure that we had, you know, our six feet of distance, making sure that we took care of the actors in terms of letting them know that they were walking into a space that was cleaned after each person that we service, you know, all those things. And I have to tell you, it did make it a lot more difficult. We kind of came up with a system though, where we had contact tracing sheets, because I I think back when we were doing uh, like these large groups for the 1800s, where we had to apply facial hair and all of those things, you know, I and my team had a system where we would take in a certain amount of people, we would write their name down. We tried to spend less than 15 minutes with that person for each person to make sure we stayed under the 15 minute time frame that we had to do somebody in our chairs. Um, you know, so I was very intentional about making sure that my key person was on the complete other end of the trailer. And I was down on the on complete opposite in a private room, you know what I mean? Doing some of the principal people, you know, so there were things like that, that we had to take into account. And I tell you what, that opportunity to do that project, you know, and, and it was massive in terms of the talent that we had throughout each block. We would, I think in one block, we had over a hundred and some odd principal people to get through our trailer. And, and, and our team stayed intact throughout 
all three blocks of the show, you know, so there, there were, uh, you know, the first block had one, you know, depart department had our team kind of stayed intact for all three runs of three uh, blocks. So I was really happy about that. And we kind of learned how to work in the COVID situation by keeping ourselves safe, by keeping our actors safe. And I have to tell you, in, in really the way in which the production worked with us in order to provide the things that, that I asked for to help make our team stay safe, they provided. But let me tell you, it was not an easy feat. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was not. It was not. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> do I want to continue on this path, you know, with COVID? But I think that just like anything, you, you adapt you learn, you adapt, and you make the adjustments that's needed in order to be able to be an effective leader in terms of what you're doing. And that's what we had to do dealing with COVID, with the COVID of it all, you know? Mm -hmm. So and I think, and this is where, you know, you take your opportunity to work closely with other people to ensure that you're staying safe and to ensure your team is staying safe and to ensure that your actors feel comfortable and confident when they come in your space. We would be double mask up in, in our trailer. We would do double mask because of course, makeup, you're literally in their face, you know, when you're working. So, you know, it was something that I kind of, you know, learned to work through, um, you know, again, the production provided additional people for us as we need it, you know, so as, you know, a department head, that was part of my job is to make sure that everybody felt safe and stayed safe and felt confident when they came in our space, whether it was in our main trailer or either in our background area, you know, mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm happy to say that we survived. You survived. And hopefully like now a, a year after filming First Lady, things are slowly but surely getting better in terms of the situation. So that's good. Um, just out of curiosity, I'd love to know, I'm sure this depends sort of on the day you were shooting, but who took the longest in the chair, Jillian, Michelle, or Viola? What sort of you know what I think I think that, you know, I think Viola uh, makeup time was, was the longest, uh, at my, of course, you know, she had a personal Sergio, uh, oh, was her personal, but I think that she took the longest to do. And then, and then, uh, Valley O'Reilly was Michelle Pfeiffer's personal. I think she would probably be the second person mm -hmm. that took the longest and Jillian Anderson, um, uh, Julie Kendrick was her, makeup and hair person. She was from the UK. So she was responsible for doing both. And she did it relatively fast where she had to age her and um, also do her hair, her wigs. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, each personal all brought their A game. Yeah. You know, so. And it, what, what, what was your collaboration like working with these three um, personal makeup artists for the three I, women? Again, with Eleanor and with um, between all three ladies, they all had younger versions of themselves. So, of course, you know, with all the personals, I had discussions with what the specific things were for those ladies that had to cross over into the younger version. You know, so, you know, for uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, as 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 Betty Ford you know, Valley discussed, you know, what her eye color was. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that the younger version had the same 
structure and the same everything that Betty Ford would have. And the same thing for Eleanor, like Julie, she sent me pictures of her, sent me pictures of her teeth, you know, to see what they look like, you know what I mean, with her smiling, you know, so it was an effort for us to try and again, get everything similar, you know, so that was pretty much kind of the collaboration that we had is making sure everybody has similar structures, everybody has similar brow shapes, right, as they went on from their younger years to their older years and just making sure the crossover into that from young to old, there was some resemblance of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you personally have a favorite time period or look that you were particularly excited about working on? I, I think the Betty Ford years was really great for me because we had the 1970s, you know, which we had the cool sideburns and the mustaches and, you know, and, and the tan colors for certain things within that project. And then, you know, and then the classic looks of that time frame from the 30s and 40s. It was just a wonderful time. You know, although, again, like I was saying earlier, it was great to have an opportunity to to span from the 1800s all the way up to 2007. Uh, That is a great body of work to go from the 1800s, makeup, hair, clothes, uh, all the way up to the current day. You know, that's an opportunity to pull all your arsenals out (laughs) to make sure you get every period covered. We covered every period. Over a century, which is oh, yeah, yeah. such a daunting task, it seems It was like. incredible. Yeah. You know what? It's so interesting because I, I think when I took the job on, I didn't realize what I was really getting myself into. You know, I just heard three names and said, you know, this is a period piece. You know, I'd love to be a part of it. You know, but in terms of being able to go back in my head and be able to pull out all these looks, do the research. And luckily, I had a great team that was there to help support doing all the research, you know, chronologically structuring everything so that it kind of flowed. And that's why I said after the first block, you know, it became a lot easier because I already knew, you know, in the next uh, block, we were going to do, you know, the 40s and, you know, the 50s. Um, and, you know, so it made it, it got easier as time went on, mm-hmm. you know, once I really understood, you know, the type of things that we would need in terms of colors, we did, we made makeup palettes and things for each particular period. So to make it easier for the people that were coming to join the team, I think at some point I had a, a, a total of 15 makeup artists mm-hmm. um, and hair people working on, on the project at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, my last question about the first lady is if you could share what you've learned about, through your work on the project that made you appreciate either one of these first ladies in particular or each of these first ladies, is there something you took away about learning about their lives or one of their lives in particular? I, one of the things that I took away that was strongly uh, evident to me is that women have so much resilience, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I think that when I look at all the things that these women individually went through personally and professionally, it really showed me that women are resilient and there's nothing that we cannot get over, you know, if you put your mind to it. And so I I think that's one of the things that I saw. I said, man, women are really strong. Yeah. (laughs) We're really strong. Yeah. 
Well, I know it's incredibly highly anticipated. April 17th, this Sunday is when the first episode drops. So it's very exciting. I have to close out, obviously, by asking about a project that I'm sure you're very busy right now working on, which is The Color Purple. I think one of the most exciting (laughs) films to come out in 2023. Um, Can you just share a little bit about what we have to expect from your work? Let me tell you, I, the I will say the first ladies prepared me to do the color purple because we're going back through some of the same time periods. Um, and I think that the color purple, when this movie comes out, it is going to blow the socks off everybody because I think that it's kind of reimagined in a way that people are not going to expect. So I'm so excited to be a, a part of this project. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, color purple reimagined very exciting and are you um mainly influenced by the musical by the book by alice walker by the 1985 film what sort of is your main thing that I, you're relying on i think part of the thing that i'm really relying on is that i look at the past color purple and i look at the color purple in which we're doing now and i'm 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 really thrilled by the way that i feel that it's going to really um influence culture in a different way um when it comes out in 2023 i think it's going to be not what people really expect um it's got of course the old part of the color purple, but it's got a new part to it as well. And I'm really excited about, about the looks of it. Um, just everything about it, I think is really going to be mind blowing. Right. Well, I'm, I, I can say in the least that many, many people are excited about this and it's really a long time coming seeing a musical adaptation of um, this on the big screen. So we can't wait. Um, but Carol, yeah. congratulations on the first lady and we can't wait for the color purple in 2023. Thank, Thank you so much. You, Max. Thank you so much. I yeah. appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Hollywood podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.